Good afternoon. This is Chickie Fitzgerald, and thank you for joining the Executive Girlfriends Group live broadcast. We have a great show planned today and a little bit different topic than we normally talk about on Egg, and that is the new job search. Uh, this is a book about breaking all the rules, getting connected, and getting hired faster for the money that you're worth. Uh, our guest today is Molly Wendell. Uh, Molly, welcome. Well, well thank you, Chickie. I'm excited to be here because there's a, a lot of things going on with people in the job search and really people who are looking for new opportunities, whether you have a job or not, um, that we, they, we might be able to talk about some new approaches. Well, I think, you know, we were just talking before we started the show about how we, you know, almost daily, uh, certainly weekly, we are hearing reports about what is happening uh, with the job market, and we constantly hear uh, the reference point of the unemployment numbers. And mm-hmm. I know within the Executive Girlfriends group, I would say uh, we, we still do have some people who are unemployed as a result of the economic crisis, but we have many more that are underemployed or who have had to result to consulting uh, when that is not their natural bent. Uh, and and so th- I think that this is really, really timely. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. You know, one just one comment about when people hear those numbers, the only number that matters really is is the number for you, <laughs> for, right. for each individual person. There's only two numbers. You're either at 0% unemployment or at 100% unemployment. And <laughs> And the other big thing is, I mean, you might be in a position, but you might be underemployed. You might uh, be looking for that next thing. So, again, you might have a position, but but you're looking elsewhere. So um, so I, I've always looked at those unemployment numbers with a grain of salt and said it doesn't really matter what they think. They're not accurate, and uh, the only really num- the number that matters is the one for you. Right. And I think the interesting thing is now uh, we've got a group of people who are actually looking at getting back in the the job market. I mean, certainly over the course of the last few years, I, I've been a serial entrepreneur uh, mm-hmm. for a very, very long time. In fact, way before I left corporate life, uh-huh. uh, I was a serial entrepreneur. But, you know, my husband, uh, you know, said many times, well, why don't you just go back out and get a job? And, and uh, you know, of course, that struck fear and terror um, uh, every time I had to even think about it. And and I didn't do it, of course, because it, it wasn't the right thing for me. But your right. your very first chapter of this book, um, you know, really addresses that issue. But, but before we jump into the contents of the book, I'd really like to hear a little bit about you and your background. Well, I, um, I actually used to be a VP of marketing, so I spent – quite a number of years in the technology industry, running corporate marketing function. I was with IBM for 10 years and other other technology firms after that. And then I found myself out of work in a very difficult economy, and it was really hard. I, and previous to um, the economic difficulties, you know, I never had a problem finding a job. I never had to really interview. I always was just tapped on the shoulder and said, would you, would you be interested in working over here, over here? And um, and then once once I was in this job search and the economy was bad and nobody was hiring VPs of marketing and in fact more and more were being let go because uh, marketing is really easy to <laughs> because most people don't understand it but it's really easy to to cut that line item off in tough times and 
um, about a year and a half, so I was out of work for two years and three days. And a year and a half into my search, I said, you know what, I'm doing this completely wrong. I'm not getting the interviews. I'm not getting the job offers. Something has to change. And one day, and I had spent a lot of time on the Internet looking at, at uh, job postings, applying to positions. I mean, I was, I was 24-7 online trying to find that job because I thought that's the way to do it. So a year and a half in, I said, I'm, I'm going to change it completely. I'm, uh, I turned off the computer, and I started meeting with people. In 90 days, I had 60 meetings and 30 offers for positions never posted in, in an industry I had no experience in. And that's when I knew that this job search thing was a lot easier than people give it credit for, that it's just that most people are going about it the wrong way. And the same goes for people who are looking for business. Let's say you, you're a consultant on purpose. The same thing, if you're looking to get new business, you need to go about it a different way versus um, trying to sell yourself. And so, so it was all about networking and connecting with people and establishing relationships and asking the right questions and I was being put in the game on opportunities that I, that I was completely not qualified for, which was a nice switch because a lot of the other ones I had applied online I was overqualified for. And, uh, and it was uh, amazing. It was really some enlightenment on how to do this in a way that's fun, that's productive, that gives you the results. And, and instead of being sad, lonely, and depressed, I could be excited um, joyful and uh, have some great opportunity ahead of me. Well, I love that, and and uh, you know it's so funny because you talk about the whole issue of of the online job search, and and again, I, I have a number of close friends who are are still in that that rut of of mm-hmm. you know being screened out before they even get a chance to talk about who they are. So let's let's uh, dive into the book because I, I think that the framework that you have put together in your book is is so powerful. You begin by saying, "Do you know why you were put in this job search?" And and you know that may seem really redundant, but why don't you talk to us about that? Well, the the interesting thing is sometimes your path in life is not always the path that you end up having is not always the one that you expected to have. If if you had told me 10 years ago, Molly, you will no longer be running corporate marketing for technology companies. Uh, you will be running your own business. Um, you will have built a network of thousands and thousands of executives and helping them in the job search, and you'll have contacts all over the country. You'll be doing speaking engagements and working with teams on networking and building relationships. Um, you'll have helped thousands of people get a job. I would have said, no, that's not me. I'm I'm this person. I'm, I'm the, the marketing you know, leader. And... And so sometimes, you know, if you look back and say, like I look back now and say, boy, that's the best thing that ever happened to me because I'm doing some really interesting things and helping a lot of people. So not only is the work very fulfilling, but it's been it's leading me and putting me in circles that I never, ever thought I'd be in. And so, mm. um, so it's, it's a very good uh, life, life fulfillment as well. So, so I, I think sometimes... You sit there and think, no, this is this has to be my path, and sometimes your your path goes uh, down some side paths, and and you didn't expect it, and um and and so that's the time to reflect, step back and reflect, and say, why am I here? What's going on? Is there a reason for this? And and usually there is, and and 
oftentimes, though, you won't see it for a few years, and then you'll look back and say, oh, good, you know, I'm glad that happened. So I, I want people to really think about why they're there. I, I meet so many people who say, I'm not happy in my job. In fact, a friend of mine, uh, she was telling me, she, she constantly was telling me how much she hated her job. She hated her job. She, she complained all the time about her job. Um, one day she found herself without that job, <laughs> not, not on her own accord. Right. And, uh, and I said, this is great. I mean, all you've ever done is complain about that place. And now it's time. Obviously, you weren't leaving, so the universe made you leave. <laughs> and, uh, and so it, at first it feels very difficult to a person because change, when someone changes on you, when, when other people make your change for you, it's harder to swallow them than when you make it yourself. But oftentimes when other people make that change for you, it, it's the right thing to, to happen. So right. because it, it, it frees you up to do what you're meant to do. I guess that's really what it is. Well, absolutely. And, I mean, you, you tell the story in your introduction that, you know, had you not gotten laid off, you might have been on the 102nd floor of the World Trade Center on September 11th. Yeah, and there is actually no doubt I would have been there. So, I mean, it um, it's a very um, – it's, it's, like, life-changing to – to have a, have a new opportunity, a new lease in life when you didn't know that you weren't going to have one, you know? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that, that's about the most poignant uh, story that, uh, that I think you could ever talk about of, of, of the power of, uh, you know, kind of history and, and where you fit in it. Um, mm-hmm. So let's, let's move on and, and talk about the, the basics. So, you know, you talked a little bit about you know, you think that you're on a particular path. You think that this is what you should always do. Um, you know, I've heard it many, many times. You know, I've always been in the travel industry or I've always been in technology. Um, you know, I don't know how to do anything else. And and here in Tampa, uh, where I live, we have uh, two major industries that were impacted uh, by the uh, economic crisis way more than anything else, and that was tourism and mm-hmm. uh, also the real estate market and, and any right. jobs that were related to real estate and building. And mm-hmm. when when it first happened, I had a friend who was working with a group called Real Estate Lives, which uh, was a, a volunteer group that was trying to help people figure out where they go because they didn't mm-hmm. even know the basics. Um, they certainly knew how to network, but they were all networked with each other. Right. right, and it was the same thing in the travel industry. Yeah, I knew a lot of people in the travel industry, but nobody was hiring consultants during that time. So right. let's, let's talk about the basics, and then we'll uh, move right into you know what are you supposed to do in life? Is there a supposed to? Well, there's there's a couple ideas around that, and and when I talk about in the book, um, the idea around the basics is kind of getting your getting your job search prepared. You know, if you're Everyone needs to get their resume ready to go. Everyone needs to get their business cards for the job search, things like that. And so, but there's a lot of little mistakes that people make. You know, I have seen more business cards with um, with goofy designs. If, if <laughs> there's, there's no better way to put it, and uh, <laughs> and mo- and more finance oriented cards are the most boring things I've ever seen in my life. And uh, and I sit there and say, you know, now's not the time to. Um, Put your put your big sunflower on your card. In fact, I'm looking at a card that has a big sunflower on it, and the person must love sunflowers, and I think that's terrific. But 
the rest of the card is really hard to read because there's just a massive sunflower on it. And so I don't think about the person. I just see, oh, that's a pretty picture. That belongs on the wall, not on your mm-hmm. business card. And so um, so thinking about some of the basics, uh, I talk about when going out and networking, how to shake hands properly. I've, I've met more and more people who appear to don't, not be able to shake hands properly. So we talk a little bit about that. We talk about the email for your job search, uh, the idea around – um, not following the rules. The, the idea around if someone says you must apply online, uh, don't apply online. What, there's no job search police that's going to come get you because you didn't apply online and you circumvented the system. In fact, the person who circumvents the system is more likely to be the person who gets the job than the person who goes through the process and has the resume embedded between 500 different resumes. So right. things like that. Um, the the other thing, though, along the lines of you you started talking about when your industry has been hit, and how do you change it up? How do you change yourself up and make you more valuable to other people in other industries? And how do you really figure out what your value is to that under other industry? Too many times people say, "Well, my skills are transferable. I'm able to." Um, I'm in human resources. Of course my skills are transferable. I'm in marketing. Of course my skills are transferable. I can learn a new industry. And and really the reality is every functional area, whether it's finance, operations, uh, marketing, sales, HR, um, IT, legal, all of those skills are transferable. But nobody wants you, nobody wants to pay you to learn their industry on their dime. And so you've got to start thinking about how do I make it look like I know their industry even though my background doesn't support it. Well, I I think that that is uh, probably one of the most difficult things for people to imagine because they they don't know what they don't know. And, and, uh, you know, even just learning the lingo of of a new Mm -hmm. industry uh, can, can be daunting. I know my industry, the travel industry, is just full of acronyms that, uh, you know, we forget the rest of the world doesn't know. In fact, those of us from Uh the travel industry, if you look at our address books, we use airport codes for people's addresses. (laughs) (laughs) We don't even write write out city names. So so let's talk about that whole issue about what are you supposed to do in life. You know, uh, as we grow up, you know, uh, frequently we will be asked when we're young, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was one of those. I, I didn't have a clue. In fact, if I had to tell someone, I wanted to be a wife and mother. But I can tell you, if I had had to be a stay-at-home mom and and not have a career, uh, uh-huh. I can't even imagine that person, even though I am a wife and a mother, uh, you know, today. But, uh, right. you know, what what is this whole thing about supposed to? Well, I believe that that people kind of have an idea of something they've always wanted to do. And it goes back to why were you put in this job search? It's it's along those same lines. I've met more and more, especially at the executive level, you know, people who've been in business, they're in their late 40s, 50s, 60s, and they say, you know what, I really want to have fun finally. And I'm sitting there thinking, <laughs> well, that's a, that's a bummer that you've <laughs> spent most of your life not having fun. But they've done their role because they've had to do it and they've progressed in their role and it's what they knew, but it's not something they always loved. So I think about there was this woman when I worked at IBM. Uh, 
IBM was going through some big layoffs at the time, and uh, half my team was being laid off. I was I was staying with IBM, but but the other half was being laid off, and the we, the people who were being laid off were having weekly conference calls because we were all around the they were all around the country to talk about helping each other in their job search. And um, and I would sit in on those calls to see if there's something that I could help in their job search. And I remember one woman saying, I'm going to work for Baskin-Robbins in their marketing department. And she was so excited. She goes, finally, I'm going to do something fun. I always hated computers. And I thought, you hated computers? Why were you at IBM for 10 years? That's insane, <laughs> you know? And um, and a couple other people, they, they kept telling me how much they hated technology, yet they were in technology. And I kept thinking, why are you here then? You know, mm-hmm. why two, two things. Why not, number one, you free up the space to someone who loves technology. And two, why don't you go someplace where you're happy because – being unhappy and not enjoying it doesn't serve anyone. It doesn't serve you. It doesn't serve your family, your friends, the people around you, your coworkers. You know, those are types of things. So, so I sit there and think about the people who kind of really always, in the back of their mind, they always they had this idea that they wanted to try something, and they never did because of the security of their job. Well, when you're you're out of work, there's there's no security, there's no safety net, but you also have nothing to lose. And so, again, it goes along the lines of maybe you were put in that job search for a reason. Maybe the reason is you're supposed to finally do what you wanted to do. So. Right. Very interesting. So let's talk about targeting your market. Because you, you said a couple of things when you were talking about your own story. You talked mm-hmm. about how you uh, made a bunch of appointments. You got a mm-hmm. bunch of offers. and But then you also said that it wasn't in your field. So right. I'm I'm assuming that that wasn't by accident that it, you actually did target who you wanted to go talk to. So how is it that it ended up being outside of your field? Well, I I got so frustrated with the technology industry and and things just were not moving forward in technology. It was just difficult. And so I thought, you know what? If I'm going to uh, live where I live, and I was living in Phoenix at the time. There's basically two two industries, and they're similar to Tampa, actually, um, hospitality and real estate. And right. I had talked to a couple people in the hospitality business and realized that, that I like the hotel industry, and that I decided was really not a fit for me. Um, I wasn't as interested. But I went and, and looked at the real estate side and looked at commercial real estate. I, I'm not a residential consumer right. person, um, but, but more on the, the commercial side, I thought that might be interesting. And so I had to investigate that industry. But that's where, that's where I said, well, let me, let me try this. Let me investigate it. Let me see what kind of opportunities there are for someone like me who has no experience and um, – but but can figure things out, right? So this kind of goes back to my sixth grade teacher. My sixth grade teacher used to say, to be specific is terrific, to be vague is the plague. And it's so true in job search. The more specific you are, the more terrific the opportunities, the more vague you are, the more there's no opportunities. It's like the plague. They're just not around. And oh, so one of the biggest mistakes that people make in their job search 
is they don't get targeted. They don't get specific because they're afraid. Well, if I focus too much, then I'm going to miss out on all these opportunities that are going to come my way. And I'm telling them, well, here's the thing. If you don't focus, no opportunities are going to come your way. So you don't need to worry, you don't need to worry about missing out on all of them because none of them are going to happen. If you do focus, not only will you get opportunities in your focus area, but opportunities in other areas will come your way as well. So, for example, when I, the second I decided to target commercial real estate, uh, well, about 30 days later, I got a couple calls for um, opportunities in technology. And, and I actually received an offer. Had the offer come through a year previously, or a year prior, I would have taken it in a heartbeat. It was a, it was a great offer. It was an incredible job with a great company um, in technology, running marketing. I mean, it was, it was incredible. However, I was kind of down this path of let me try something new, and, and so I declined it, and my family thought I was nuts because finally I get this offer and, and, uh, and then I turn it down. And, uh, but, but I was so excited about the new world, the new industry, trying something different because I thought, you know what, I can always go back to technology, but I can't always venture into something new. And maybe now is the time. So, so again, the more you focus, the more opportunities will come your way in the focus area as well as other areas. The less you focus, the less opportunities will come your way all the way around. Mm. Now, you talked a little bit about the business card, and a, a lot of people who are on a job search uh, don't actually think about having that as, as one of their tools, but I, I think it's mm-hmm. incredibly important. But Chapter 5 in the book uh, devotes quite a few pages to talking about the resume, and I think we've all seen really good resumes, and we have all seen the really awful ones. So talk mm-hmm. about the resume. Well, there's a couple things. I I, I don't believe in resumes, number one. I, I think if you could get through your job search without a resume, you should. And because the resume says all the wrong things, right? So, and and but the reality is everyone in the job search is too, fra- too afraid <laughs> to take that advice. They go, no, I must have a resume. People will ask for it. And I say, well, what if you don't have one, you know? <laughs> Do you never get the job because you never you didn't have a resume? I mean, again, how many job offers have you gotten in your past where you never showed a resume right. because you were working, someone knew you, someone tapped you on the shoulder, someone said, hey, are you interested in coming to work for us? The, the resume was never part of the, the, the conversation. It was purely an afterthought. And I think people need to start thinking about the resume as an afterthought. So, But the reality is most people are too scared to do that. So... So the first thing is you, you need to think about, number one, getting your resume in order, making sure you're happy with it. That's, that's the only important thing. Um, if you do need to use it and people are asking for it about a specific job, you need to customize it to exactly that job. So it's not how many versions you have. You have an infinite number of versions depending on how many jobs, or you have an equal number of versions depending on the number of jobs that you're interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other p- problem is that people use the resume as a crutch. They lead th- with their resume, and, and therefore, they make everything about a job search. You know, when when you ask someone what they're doing and they're in a job search, they'll 
the person immediately says, send me your resume, because they don't know what else to say. When, when you, and, and everything, they make everything about their jobs about a job search. And, and when you make everything about a job search, if they're not hiring you, the conversation's over. But if you make things about a relationship, then it's, it's not about a job search. Nobody's going to ask about your resume. You don't even have to put it in, fr- in front of them. There's a, a couple ideas around this. One is that um, the, the idea of, you know, Chicky, if you asked me, how are you? How are you today, right? And I say, I'm fine. Let me show you my last 10 years of medical reports. To prove that I'm fine. You're, you're never going to, right? <laughs> quit, quit shoving paper in front of people and making it about right. something that it doesn't need to be. But there's an example of a, a gentleman I was talking to yesterday, and he said, Molly, my problem is that my resume doesn't speak at all to what I want. And the second people see it, they take the conversation to the, an area that I don't want them to take the conversation and I said, well, there's one very easy way to solve that. And he said, what? I said, quit showing your resume to anyone. <laughs> you know, if, if, if it's sending you to the wrong conversation, quit putting it in front of people and guide right. the conversation to the conversation that you want. So, you know, people feel like they need to have a resume, but the reality is nobody cares about your resume. Nobody cares about what you've done. They care about what you can do for them. Yeah, and um, and I talk more later in the book about the idea around smart questions and how to how to navigate the conversation so that so that you are having a discussion around their industry, what they're doing, and how you might be a part of that. Well, before we jump to that, let's talk just a little bit about the electronic tools that are available because clearly. Uh, LinkedIn has become the de facto standard of where you do put that that uh, history about yourself, and and I can tell you because I used LinkedIn extensively, uh-huh. uh, you know, in finding guests for our shows, and then you know I'm, I have a consulting practice, and then I'm, I'm starting a new business in in the nonprofit uh, arena, leveraging my travel background, and and when I look at someone's LinkedIn page and they've got nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that's about where it ends for me because I, you know, I want more. And if I can't find anything about you online, if I Google you and there's nothing, um, I get really concerned. And uh, but on the other extreme, I use LinkedIn in a way that I'm sure no recruiter would ever say to use it. But I'm not looking for a job, so I don't have to worry about it. Is because I've been a consultant for 15, 16 years. Um, I actually have put every single consulting client that I've had. So I, you know, it looks like I can't hold a job if you look at it, <laughs> you know, with, with those eyes. But I do say, you know, consulting on contract with. So, right. um, you know, those are kind of the two ends of the extreme of having nothing online and having everything online. So talk to me about the electronic tools aspect of the job search. So in the, in the corporate world, if you're not on LinkedIn, you're you're – I don't know where you are. <laughs> you need to be on LinkedIn. So, uh, but the other thing is you need to do it right. We actually um, have a webinar called LinkedIn 101 and Beyond, and it's not really um, focused on the how to complete your profile. It's more focused on what you should be saying in the content around your profile. And um, there's, there's certain – the problem that most people – the biggest issue that, that most people – 
most people, the biggest violation, let's call it that, (laughs) Uh is that most people take, think that LinkedIn should be your background. And it should be, number one, but it should also speak to what you want to do and speak to your future and your focus and and what you want life to have, where you want to be. And so, um, and you need to write it in a way that says that you're already doing that kind of thing. So I know uh, a woman who is interested, her background is in semiconductor, but she's interested in energy and doing some things in the energy industry. And so we talked about, you can't just have a bunch of semiconductor things on there. You have to be talking about where you can provide value in the energy industry. The, the LinkedIn has become kind of the de facto place or the standard for where recruiters hang out to find candidates. So if you're looking for an, another job and um, your profile is, is not indicative of where you want to be and you're not making it easy for recruiters to find you, then they're not going to find you. There's a, there's a bunch of little tricks that you can do to make you more searchable and, and come up better. But the other thing is, People have to remember that most recruiters who are using LinkedIn, it's often the research person who may or may not know about the industry. They're they're simply handed a job spec, and they're supposed to go research these these keywords. And so if those keywords are not in your profile, you're not going to come up, and you're not going to be contacted. And so we go through a pretty intensive, this, this webinar, we've had people say, that after they look at the webinar, they make a bunch of changes to their profile, the number of people that view their profile triples. And the good news is it's the right people who are who are viewing it, not the wrong people who are viewing it before. So they're getting more and more of the right people versus less and less of the wrong people viewing their profile. Right. So the, the thing is if you're going to do it, you better do it right, and you better uh, – kind of follow a format where you want to say, here's what I'm focused on, here's what I want to do, versus here's a bunch of old stuff about what I've already done. You do need the old stuff of what you've already done. You do need to put a lot of the things that are on your resume, on your LinkedIn. People assume that if they look at LinkedIn, they're also going to look at your resume, and that's a, a major, um, a faulty assumption. You, right. you, you should assume that... If they look at your LinkedIn, they're not going to look at your resume. So you need to figure out what on your resume you want on there that's important. Got so. it. Got it. All right. Well, let's let's move on and talk about the various uh, ways to network and and to actually find a job. And and the first one that you talk about in the book is working with recruiters. And uh, you know, I, I know that this one is a, a, a bit of a, a difficult one uh, when you're the one searching, because quite often the recruiters are working on behalf of the employer and, and not really acting on your behalf. So, can you uh, share a little bit about that? Well, the best time to build a relationship with a recruiter is while you're currently working. And when I mean build a relationship, I mean build a relationship. I mean go have coffee with them, have them know you on a first-name basis. I think it's it's quite amazing in talking to many recruiters, and we do a little bit of recruiting ourselves as well, is how many people think that just because they had a conversation with a recruiter, they had a, quote, interview with a recruiter, and um, that the recruiter is going to go find them a job. The recruiter is not going to find you a job. It's it's like cold calling. If you happen to 
call and, and get in front of the recruiter on the exact moment of the exact day where they happen to be searching for exactly what you've already done at the companies where you exactly worked, then they want to talk to you. But if you haven't done all that, and it's not that exact moment of that exact day, they're not as interested in having a conversation with you. You're just clutter, really, to them. And it doesn't mean that they're bad people. I know many, many recruiters who are fantastic people, but they are bombarded by people in the job search who write these letters to them. And I get really passionate about this, but... And I, I laugh because they send me the letters and I'm thinking, oh, no, oh, no, that's not going to get them a job. <laughs> but <sighs> but the person sends this letter because they want to tell them all about themselves. Here's why I'm great. And we call this in, in the job search, we call it showing up and throwing up. You show up <laughs> to the conversation and you just throw up your life story all over people. And and you need to stop doing that because it's very messy and um, and start stepping back and saying and getting to know them as a person building that relationship. So so I think the focus is figure out how you can help them. Figure out is there a lead, is there a contact, is there a company? Did you hear about a company that's looking for a new leader, executive leader? What about your past company? Are there any introductions you can make to the recruiter from your past at your past company and maybe you can get them in the game. They're going to remember that a lot more than you trying to show up and throw up on their doorstep or you trying to give them, uh, you know, understanding what searches they're, that they're working on and maybe you know some people, some other candidates who might be a good fit, things like that. Figuring out how you can provide value, that's where you're going to really develop nice relationships with recruiters. Right. right. And, well, that makes and again, you need to do that before, before you need the job, not, not after. So. Right, right. All right, well, so let's talk about those job search meetings that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, there's there's a couple. When you're, when you're out there networking, when you're in the job search, you need to be out there networking. So you need to go to two types of meetings. And I talk about this in both Chapter 8 and Chapter 9, is the job search meeting and the networking meeting. And you cannot confuse the two. So don't, <laughs> don't treat a networking meeting like a job search meeting. Job search meetings are important, and, and some of you, some people might be thinking, well, why would I go to a meeting with a bunch of people in the job search? They don't have a job. Why can, how, how could they help me? And the question, the statement you really need to think about is, for the many years I was in the job search, I, I knew a lot of people, and I could help a lot of people. At first, I couldn't help myself, <laughs> but I could certainly help a lot of other people. And so you have to remember that people who are in a job search, they know people, they have contacts, they work at companies, they can, they right. may be able to help you. And so working at a job search and uh, going to a job search meeting and thinking about how can I make it easy for them to help me. And, and in our job search meetings, we do these around the country for executives. We talk about who are you, what are you looking for, and how can the group help most people, when they're new to the meetings, they come and, again, they show up and throw up, which we want them to throw up a little bit. Um, they, they show up, they tell us a little bit about their story, what, their, what their, their background, what makes them different, and then and then they also need to tell us who their target companies are, what industry they're targeting, what geographies they're targeting, so what position are they looking for, so that, um, so that we can work with something. When someone comes into one of those meetings and says, well, I just want to work for a great company that's doing well and has great people, who can help me? 
Right. And you're like, nobody, nobody can help you because <laughs> you need to help <laughs> yourself first. You need to figure out who you want to target. Again, get specific and terrific, not vague in the plague. And the more specific and terrific you are, the the more people are going to be able to figure out how to help you. If you came to me and said, you know, Molly, I'm looking for a job. Are you hiring? I said, no. But if you said, Molly, I'm looking for a job in the aerospace industry for one of the following four companies, can you help me? I say, absolutely. I, I know people at all four. Which one do you want to talk to first? So, again, figuring out how to use your resources in a known job search where, where, where it's known that everyone's in a job search versus the networking meeting where people are not expecting people in the job search. You don't want to make it all about a job search. And we, I go into a lot of detail around how to navigate through those meetings without talking about the fact that you're out of work. Because the second you say that, people feel bad for you. They pity you. <laughs> they, they think your job search is contagious. They don't know what to say, and they want to get away. And so, well, the interesting thing is we, we have uh, adopted something within the Executive Girlfriends group. At, at first we said that these were people who were in between successes. And then later mm-hmm. I had a friend said, you know, I've just decided to tell people that I've been on sabbatical because then they actually envy me and uh-huh. they say, oh, I've always wanted to take a sabbatical. So I thought that that was a really interesting approach instead of bemoaning, oh, I've been out of work for, you know, 18 months. Yeah, that that is. I, I would suggest to not tell them anything. <laughs> and, and again, the, the idea, Networking 101, uh, the biggest rule in networking is it's not about you. It's about everybody but you. And and the one person you know the most when you go to an event is you, right? Right. So you have to ask the question, how much more information do you need to hear about you? Really nothing. So right. the more you can make it about other people, the more you can get to know other people, the more you can add value to other people, people will want to add value to you. And so... I, I would, uh, when I first used to mention, I was I was so upbeat in my job search. I'm like, you know, I'm a happy person. I can, I, people say, what do you do? And I say, oh, you know, I'm actually between and I'm, you know, but I'm really excited about the opportunity. And But the, even if I was excited, they still wanted to get away. They still didn't want to talk to me. Right. So I quit saying I was in a job search. And uh, instead, they I just completely ignore the question. They say, what do you do? I say, well, what do you do? And, and not in a confrontational way, but I just deflect it. And right. um, because I knew the second I said what I did, then the conversation would be over. I knew it, and I wouldn't have a chance to meet that person. And I, I'm thinking, you know what? I came here. I paid the money just like they did. I deserve to be here. And um, and so I would say, I'm in marketing. How about yourself? So immediately, but I wouldn't say where I worked because I didn't work anywhere. And um, and when I decided to go into real, commercial real estate, I say I would say I'm in commercial real estate. How about yourself? And and nobody questioned it. I mean, the reality right. was I really hadn't been in commercial real estate, <laughs> but I was going to be. And and so I had to take on that persona and be that person. You know, they they talk about enacting. Um, fake it till you make it, right? right? And it's not that you're lying, but you've got to embody the idea in order to make it true because if you don't get your whole mind around it it won't happen so right. um but 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 going into networking events 
asking smart questions, it, it all comes back to the old Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. Mm-hmm. The, the more people talk about themselves, the more they like you. So so I'm doing a lot of talking, Chicky, so I really like you. <laughs> so, um, I love it. So, I love it. Well, we but, need to but, uh, kind of bring this home. We're, we're getting okay, near the end of our, our uh, show. So I want to get right to, you know, you've you've gone to these events, you've networked, you've gotten the meeting, now you actually have the interview. And, mm-hmm. and so how do you make sure in that uh, interview that you are being relevant? I mean, I'm sure it's uh, going to be just an extension of what you've already talked about, of talking more about them than talking about you. But right. take us through those those last few pieces, because it's all about, you know, taking that flight and actually landing where you wanted to be to begin with. Absolutely. The, the keys are getting them to like you, number one. And the, the way that get, you get them to like you is you get them to talk about themselves. The second is asking really smart and thoughtful questions. Um, most people go to an interview with the mindset that they're they're going to be asked questions. Uh-huh. You need to turn that around completely and say, I'm going to do the asking. I'm going to do the interviewing. And, and I'm going to, number one, decide through my questions, is this a place I want to work? You know, it's... Making a decision to accept a job is a 50-50 proposition. They have to decide and you have to decide. So right. um, so you have a lot of control in that process. The more you think about and take control in that process, the more likely they're going to want you because you show confidence. When you go into an interview and you run the interview, you say, well, you know, before we get started, let me ask you a question or two and start asking questions and really get them thinking about their business and be different than everyone else who walks into their interview very timid and waits to be asked a question, you're going to stand out. And so I, I remember having an interview for a head of marketing role. Again, once I was down this other path, <laughs> I kept getting these other offers on marketing. And I I said to the, the CEO, I said, hey, before we get started, I just have a quick question. And that lasted for about an hour because I just kept asking question after question. And finally he said, uh, hey, can I ask you a question? I said, you know what, I'm so sorry, I'm out of time. And he goes, really? I go, no, I'm just messing with you. What do you want to know? And he, <laughs> he, he goes, you know, he asked me like two questions that were not relevant at all. And then they made me an offer. And I think it's because I took – took the opportunity to act like I was in the job already and really trying to better understand what's going on with the company and what what needed to happen for my role than acting like waiting for waiting for them to ask me a bunch of questions and and it gave them confidence in wow this person really knows what they're doing even though I didn't have to I I showed them I knew what I was doing through the smart questions that I asked and so it really comes down to asking the right questions. And the interview chapter is my absolute favorite chapter uh, because it's so different. Treating your interview more like a networking discussion gets you more offers than treating it like your traditional interview. So. Right, right. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, this is, even though I am not searching for a job, I, I know a lot of these same principles uh, apply to when you're trying to find uh you know, business for your company, and uh, you know, it, it really just comes back to the basic principles, uh, as you said, of how to win friends and influence people. <laughs> yep. And uh, you know, I think uh, quite often we we don't remember that it really is that 
easy and that hard, right? It, it exactly. gets back to the basics. And right. uh, Molly, I so appreciate uh, you taking the time. Again, for our uh, listeners, the book is called The New Job Search, Break All the Rules, Get Connected, and Get Hired Faster for the money that you're worth. And we didn't talk about money, but uh, if you get the book, I think uh, you will find that there are some great tips uh, about that in the book. And I know that Molly, at the end of, of the book, does have some some checklists and, and uh, you know some things that will help you as a bonus. So Molly, can you let our listeners know how it is best to uh, follow you, connect to you, reach you? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the, the easiest way is to call our office. <laughs> I'm an I'm a in-person person. Our, our number's on our website, but let me give you our website. That might be easier to go to is executivesnetwork.com, executives with an S and network without an S, executivesnetwork.com. And it has um, our phone number right on the site, um, and they can just call the office. They can also send an email to info at executivesnetwork.com, and that will come right to, to me. Um, so if they need any help with anything, um, go buy the book, read it. Here's what I would tell you that many people have, have bought the book, read it, and gotten jobs within a week. And, and wow. it's because they, they're open to this new way, a different way, and they embrace it and they go practice it. And the, the, more, the neat thing is when you read it and you start doing these things, you, you start getting power because you have confidence like, you know what, I never have to worry about being out of a job again because now I know how to do that. And nobody really majors in job search and nobody wants to major in job search. And now you don't have to because you, <laughs> you can get the book and it will teach you how so that you have the confidence if you're ever in this situation again, uh, you'll know how to do it. So, hey, thank you so much for the time and I hope people got a lot of value out of our discussion. Oh, absolutely. And for those uh, who are members of the Executive Girlfriends Group, uh, all of Molly's contact information is on our private membership platform. If you'd like more information about the Executive Girlfriends Group, please just see us at www.executivegirlfriendsgroup.com. And uh, if you've already found us on Blog Talk Radio, you'll know that that's blogtalkradio.com slash solutions with a Z live. And uh, we also have a channel on uh uh, on iTunes, I'm sorry, I had a brief uh, blank in my mind. But uh, we so appreciate uh, all of our listeners. And uh, for those who have downloaded the show, I hope you will share it with uh, friends who are underemployed or unemployed. And, Molly, I just uh, have really enjoyed our talk. And, and you're in Denver, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Well, great. Well, if I get out to Denver, I will make sure to give you a call. Absolutely. It would be great to meet you in person. So thanks, everyone. All right. Terrific. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. You too.